What's good, everyone? G Money Stacks, aka Lonely Nomad, aka the Greginator, aka the Rookie of New York, and I want to talk to you about Anchor and my show. Anchor is a free hosting site and phone app which is owned by Spotify. It's the easiest, awesome way to make a podcast. Why are you wasting your money paying for a hosting site to promote your podcast with limited storages? Forget about it. I'll explain. There's creation tools that allow you to record, edit, monetize, add music intros, music outros, uploading episodes with unlimited storages of your podcast right from your phones, computers, laptops, and tablets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Plus, you get sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast, including the listeners supporting your show. That way, you can listen to the episodes of my show off the Meat Rat Change New York podcast, the unfiltered comedy show about the stories mixed with entertainment, music, real life segments, and much more. Now, where can you find, follow, and listen to the show, you ask? You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, which is off the Meat Rat Change NY podcast, alongside with my Instagram handle. G Money Stacks 555 in Queens and Queens, New York. To spell it out is O F F T H E M E A T R A C K C H A I N Z N Y P O D C A S T, all in one word. Now, streaming platforms, in case you missed any of the episodes, we are on Anchor. Audio Burst, Breaker, Podorama, Listen Notes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Play FM, Tune In, Google Podcasts, and please don't forget that Off the Meat Rat Change New York Podcast is on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. If you have a dream of creating and becoming a podcaster like myself and individual friends that is co-hosting with me, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. If I could do it and reach success, so can you. Let's go.
Hey guys, from there are new listeners out there and current listeners from all around the world, including the USA, areas of Long Island, including the regional areas of the five boroughs of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. This is your host with the most G Money Stacks, aka Lonely Nomad, aka The Gregonator, aka Ricky Podcast of Queens, New York. And you are now rocking with. Off the Meat Rack Chains, New York Podcast, episode 50. You heard me? Episode 50. How about that? Now, in case you're wondering why I'm recording in the afternoon, I didn't record on Saturday because of my work schedule, and I was very tired. So... Hopefully, if hopefully if I get home at a certain at maybe before eight, maybe I might record. But depending on how I feel from work, then maybe I might consider it. But on another note, if you are new to the YouTube channel and you missed any previous episodes whatsoever, don't worry, I got you. All you got to do is subscribe to. The YouTube channel G Money Stacks 555. Be sure to enable alerts and the notification bell so you could be informed and be reminded of when the show goes on the air live via live stream. Um, be be sure to keep a lookout for upcoming episodes, previous episodes that's already posted on the channel. So you don't have to worry about missing anything. Um, be sure to leave a like and a comment along with the topics and the episodes that's been discussed. And also um, be sure to download your favorite episodes, which helps the show grow. And also um, be sure to share the podcast Along with the audio streaming platforms, which I will go over at the end of at the end of the show, and I also want to include another YouTube channel at the end of the show. So stick around for that one. Um. Now, um, what I would like to get into the first segment is chatting all the jazz right here. Now, chatting on the jazz is a segment where we where where it's about the top the trending topics, not just the trending topics, but you know the other topics that don't get discussed and don't get the recognition. So this is why I choose topics that that don't get discussed versus the ones that's trending. Now I do want to say something straight here. Now, just because something is trending like a, a particular topic doesn't necessarily mean that it's that is always interesting. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying I'm not saying pick any particular topics that you don't enjoy talking about. What I'm saying is, you know, you could choose topics that you that you that you normally get the hang of. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, so lately I've been hearing so much about Delta 
a Delta variant. And, you know, I had to do a little research on what, what, what it basically is talking about. And so for those of you who may, may or may not know what a Delta variant is, I'm here to help and guide you on what it is and, and what's the concerns behind this disease. So here we go. This is an article from webmd.com that I'm gonna be that I'm gonna be reading to y'all. So hear me out. All right. So the COVID-19 Delta variant, what to know? So the Delta variant is the highly transmissible COVID-19 Delta variant, also known as B1617.2 was found in India in December 2020. It's now the dominant strain in the U.S. and several other countries. What to know? It's spreading fast. As of June 14, 2021, the Delta variant has reached 74 countries just six months after the discovery. In the U.K., it's already overtaken the alpha variant in number of cases the variant is thought to be 43 percent to 90 percent more transmissible than previous COVID-19 variants experts believe Delta is everywhere from 30 percent to 100 percent wait 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 am I reading this right am I reading this right Experts believe Delta is anywhere from 30% to 100% more infectious than Alpha. Wow. You know how I feel about that. And and this is kind of crazy, so I'm not even going to, I don't know. So anyway. Researchers are still unsure why the Delta variant is so much more transmissible than others. They think changes in the variant's protein might make it easier to enter human cells. Another early study suggests that a mutation in the Delta variant might help it blend better with human cells once it attaches itself. If it can easily blend with your cells, it's able to infect more of them and overpower your immune system. It seems to affect younger people more often. The United Kingdom studies show that children and adults under 50 were 2.5 times more likely to become infected. Symptoms appear to be more severe. People may be more likely to end up in the hospital if they have the Delta variant. Studies suggest it might have almost doubled the risk of the hospitalization. I repeat the hospitalization than the Delta variant. Yikes. That's some scary shit, man. You know what I mean? That's some scary shit, though. But let me keep going with this. So, um, let me see where I left off here. In China, doctors say patients with the Delta variant are sicker than those they treated early in the pandemic. 
and their condition seems to go downhill much faster. So the let me see where okay. So a cough is becoming less common and loss of smell is no longer listed in the top 10 common symptoms anymore. Researchers are concerned people may mistake symptoms for a bad cold and avoid quarantine, helping the variant spread. How to protect yourself? Give, getting vaccinated is your best bet. Reports suggest two doses of the Pfizer um, BioNTech Bio vaccine provides 79% protection against Delta variant infection. It seems to be 88% effective against symptoms if infected. Two doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine are 92% successful in stopping hospitalization due to Delta variant. And no deaths have been reported among these among those vaccinated. Hmm. Okay. There should be more to this story. Hang on a second, folks. There should be more to this story than, than this, though. Um, all right. I also have another article, um, in relations to the Delta variant and basically why people should be concerned. This is from, this is from NBCnews.com slash science. So here we go. A more contagious variant of the coronavirus known as Delta is spreading in the United States and around the world causing a surge of cases in some countries and prompting several nations to introduce new lockdowns. Let me tell you something, man. If we go to another fucking lockdown, we might be headed for an economic tsunami. And basically what that means, and as, as I said before, as I said before, if we head to another lockdown again, we might be heading for another economic tsunami, meaning... There's going to be high unemployment. People going to be losing jobs. And it's not going to look good. You know what I mean? And I, and I feel and I feel like, like I said before, man, like, you know, the longer we prolong this disease, the harder it is for everybody, including myself, to get, you know, our regular lives back. We need our regular lives back. We don't want to be stuck in quarantine forever. People have lives. People have jobs. People have careers. You know what I'm saying? And I and I, and I can't stress this enough, though, man. Like, look, you don't want to be the person that's going to be the selfish asshole who don't care about yourself and other people. I mean, that's all I'm saying, man. You know what I mean? And this is why this is important to actually, you know, inform you, inform you guys about how important it is to not only wash your hands with soap, but but to also care for other people around you and yourself. That's pretty much what my take on this shit is. So... There you go. Sorry, here we go. Um, 
the Delta variant, which was the which was first identified in India, now accounts for 25% of new COVID-19 cases in the U.S. and is on track to become dominant version of the virus circulating in the country, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Wait, am I reading this right? Am I reading this right? The Delta variant was first identified in India now accounts for 25% of new COVID-19 cases in the U.S. and is on track to become the, the dominant version of the virus circulating in the country, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In a news briefing last week, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert and director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, called the Delta variant the greatest threat to eliminating COVID-19 in the U.S. Um, here's what's known so far about the Delta variant. So, question you probably wondering is why is it a concern I'll tell you why the Delta variant was declared a variant of concern by the World Health Organization in May the designation is used where there is increased evidence that a variant is more transmissible cause causes more severe illness or reduces the effectiveness of vaccines or treatments. In the U.S., the CDC declared Delta a variant of concern on June 15th. Research suggests that Delta, officially known as B.1.617, is the most contagious of all the known variants to date, including the highly transmissible alpha variant that was first identified in Britain. Public health officials in the United Kingdom were Delta variants for more than 95% of new COVID-19 cases have said that the variant could be 40 to 60% more transmissible than the alpha variant. Those studies are ongoing. Hold on. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's see. Where did I leave off? All right. One of the ways epidemiologists determine the transmissibility of a new vaccine. No, excuse me. A new variant is no to examine what's known as the secondary attack rate. This involves in tr tracking the close context of people who have been infected with different versions of the virus and seeing how many others tested positive. Quote, let's say you have 10 people with 20 close contacts, said Dr. David Dow Dowdy, an associate professor of epi epid 
Epidemiology at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Quote, with one variant, maybe you see five of those close contacts get infected. If a second variant of is 50% more transmissible, that number would be 50% higher. So in this case, you would expect 7.5 of those contacts to be infected after accounting for vaccination status and whether they had a previous infection. What is the Delta plus variant, you ask? The de- it's not unusual for a virus to mutate and evolve as it spreads. And scientists have long cautioned that other worrisome variants could emerge with new outbreaks. In India, researchers observed mutations separate from Delta in a sub-lineage of the virus that they dubbed Delta Plus. While it has not yet been designated a variant of concern by the WHO or the CDC cases involving Delta Plus have been reported in 11 countries, including this U.S. It's not yet clear, however, if Delta Plus carries additional, to be exact, risk or, or is associated with increased transmissibility. Okay, another question here. Um, does the Delta variant cause more severe illness or symptoms? More research is needed, but there are indications that the Delta variant may cause more severe disease. A study published June 14th in the journal, um, the Lancet examined the impact of the Delta variant in Scotland, where it had become the dominant strain. The researchers found that the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 was roughly doubled for patients infected with Delta compared with people infected with the Alpha variant. If for comparison, we look at the original strain, the UK Alpha variant and now the Delta one, we are noticing that there is a difference in transmissibility as well as the potential for more dangerous outcomes, said Dr. Alejandro Perez um, Tripiccio, an internal medicine physician based in Naples, Florida. I'm Well, that's a new area I never heard of. Um, researchers in the UK have reported a shift in symptoms that may be associated with the Delta variant. Data from an app that more than 4 million people in the UK downloaded to report symptoms, vaccination status, and other demographic information daily found that the most common symptoms of COVID-19 are now headache, sore throat, running nose, and fever similar to what people may experience with a bad cold. Some doctors in the U.S. have encountered a similar change. Shortness of breath, cough, and other lung issues remain the most common symptoms of COVID-19, which was first identified in Wuhan, China, obviously. But some physicians have 
um, notice more upper respiratory complaints, uh, such as congestion, a runny nose, and headaches with recent infections. It's not yet clear why cold-like symptoms are inc increasingly being reported or if there is a link to the Delta variant. The implications of such a change, if it exists, are also not yet known. A wide range of symptoms have been associated with the coronavirus, and the CDC includes congestion and runny nose on its list of potential COVID-19 symptoms. Where is this spreading, you ask? The Delta variant has been reported in more than 95 countries. Damn! According to the World Health Organization, end quote, every country that it has gone into up to now, you've seen an escalation in cases where it's pushed aside the variant that was dominant before said Fauci Tuesday in an interview with NBC's Nightly News. Cases involving Delta have been confirmed in all 50 states in the U.S., and the variant is especially risky in parts of the country with low vaccination rates. The variant is similarly fueling new outbreaks around the world. Several cities in Australia, including Sydney and Brisbane, imposed strict lockdowns to curb the virus spread. A stringent nationwide stay-at-home order was introduced in Bangladesh after infections spiked and the country recorded its highest single-day death toll of the pandemic to date. Oh, boy. Yikes. Man, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's, that that sucks, man. You know what I mean? That really sucks. Um Yeah, in South Africa, a nightly curfew was upheld and new travel restrictions were put in place in Germany, Hong Kong, and Taiwan to to limit flights from areas where the Delta variant is widespread. Are vaccines affected against the variant? The vaccines in use appear to offer good protection against the Delta variant, and most scientists agree that fully vaccinated individuals likely face little risk. Moderna announced Tuesday that its vaccine is effective um, against the Delta variant. The, the results were based on blood samples from fully vaccinated people and showed that these individuals produce protective antibodies against several of the circulating variants, including Delta. Um, though detailed results have not been made public for all of the available shots, similarly promising results have been found with both Pfizer, BioNTech, and the AstraZeneca vaccines. An analysis released June 14 by Public Health England found that two doses of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine were 96% effective against hospitalizations from the Delta variant and two doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine 
were 92% effective. A previous analysis from the agency found that a single vaccine dose was less effective against symptomatic illness caused by the Delta variant compared to the Alpha variant, highlighting the importance of getting both shots in a two-dose regimen. And with instances of so-called breakthrough infections, when a fully vaccinated person became infected, the cases have typically been mild. In Israel, where nearly 60% of the population is fully vaccinated, a, a, a recent spike in COVID-19 cases associated with the Delta variant, including infections among vaccinated individuals, was not also mirrored in an increase of hospitalizations. Wow. Hang on. Okay. All right. Um So, yes. A South African study that tracked more than 360,000 healthcare workers vaccinated with the single close Johnson & Johnson vaccine found that 94% of the breakthrough infections were mild. Though preliminary to be exact, the results suggest that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine offers good protection against Delta and other variants of concern. Not really. The high level message is that the vaccines work. Two doses work better than one, and the more people who get vaccinated, the better, Dowdy said. Though there's likely not much cause for worry among people who are fully vaccinated, public health officials are concerned about. Oh boy, I don't know what the hell happens. Um, hold that thought. Um, where did I leave off? Sorry about that. I um, had a little glitch. Um, so let's see. Where did I leave off? I'm sorry, folks. Um, had a little glitch. Um, where? Okay. Um, okay. Though there's an likely not much cause for worry among people who are fully vaccinated. Public health officials are concerned about outbreaks in places with low vaccination rates. In the U.S., um, COVID-19 cases rose 10% this week over the previous seven days. Sheesh! Seven days, an increase that like was likely fueled by the spread of Delta and lagging vaccinations. According to the CDC, Pockets of the Southeast and the Midwest where vaccine uptake has fallen behind remain especially vulnerable. According to health officials, this type of uneven vaccine landscape could result in local surges as the Delta variant takes hold, Fauci said. That's what we are concerned about, he said. We don't want that to happen. Okay. Um, does any does everyone need to wear a mask again? In response to the spread of the Delta variant, the the WHO advised 
that people, regardless of the, their vaccination status, should continue to wear masks. The CDC has, meanwhile, stood by its guidance that says fully vaccinated people can largely forego masks, though the agency acknowledged that local rules may change based on the situation on the ground. Earlier this week, Los Angeles County, one of the nation's largest and the most pop- populous um recommended that everyone, including people who are fully vaccinated, should wear masks indoors. Fauci said that the CDC's guidance on wearing masks likely won't change unless new evidence emerges to warrant an update. End quote. If there's if there are any changes that would instigate making a change in recommendation, that would happen, he said. But for now, the CDC recommendation stands that if, in fact, you are fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. Fauci's added, um, however, that some elderly people or individuals with underlying conditions may feel more comfortable wearing a mask in places that are experiencing an increase in infections. So ultimately, it comes down to comfort and common sense, Dowdy said. But he added that people should have confidence that the vaccines offer good protection. It makes sense to be cautious, but I worry that by saying everyone needs to wear masks again, that we're giving the message that we don't think these vaccines are working, he said. That would not be a good message to send. All right. Um, all right. The other topic that I wanted to talk about was, if I'm not mistaken, the other topic that I wanted to talk about was, um, give me a second, folks, while I'm looking for the topic. Um, let me, all right. So... Let me, uh, oh, Missouri. I forgot to mention Missouri is part of this too. So I did peep this article, um, yesterday, actually yesterday or the day before. Um, so like we're on the island, how Missouri's inaction allowed Delta variants to spread. Sheesh. So, all right. On June 2nd, Jessica Pearson, an an epidemiologist with the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services, sent a concerned but business as usual email to local health officials um, in the North. East, no, Northwest, excuse me, corner of the state. Pearson took note of the highly contagious um, COVID-19 Delta variant, which had surged in some northern Missouri counties. Um, In quote, just a reminder that there is nothing additional that needs to be done as far as public health concern for variant cases. Pearson wrote recapping the conference call earlier that day, but we emphasize the importance of a timely investigation and implementation of control measures. One month later, um, 
as the United States as a whole experiences the fewest um the fewest experience the fewest um hold on hold on hold on hold on um hold on hold on hold on hold on experience the wait 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 yeah the fewest cases and hospitalizations in months missouri is in crisis delta is ramp rampaging through the unvaccinated spurring rising cases and threatening to overwhelm Springfield hospitals. Missouri now has the second highest rate of new cases per capita, according to the data compiled. But in New York Times and among the lowest adult vaccination rates among all states. What went wrong? A joint investigation by the Kansas City Star and Columbia University's Brown Institute for Media Innovation reveals how June became a lost month in the fight to slow the spread of Delta across Missouri. Thousands of pages of internal emails and other documents from 19 local health departments trace the growing alarm and a sense of near resignation among officials about their chances of halting the advance of the variants. <sighs> okay. Um. All right. The consequences of this, the squandered month will last well into summer. Cox Health, a major Springfield hospital, told the Star it's bracing for hospitalizations to rise for weeks to come. Delta is still spreading and has now been found in the Kansas City and St. Louis areas. Oh, damn. Damn, that's scary. Damn, that's scary. Though state's officials um, hope higher vaccination rates in those places will limit increases in cases. Schools will also begin next month with some parents in open rebellion. Um, open rebellion against imposing mass requirements, even with Delta all but certain to continue circulating. The emails obtained through re records requests by the Institute Documenting COVID-19 Project and shared the star. Paint a portrait of local health officials eager to vaccinate their communities, but encountering resistance from residents. Apathy from some politicians and a milk-quit toast state-level response. I'll look that. I'll look it up later. Um. They document rising um, frustration with everyone from DHSS to elected officials to the public. An official in one county even privately mocked a video released by DHSS explaining the Delta variant. In quote, I feel like we're on an island all alone in the COVID fight, but I know 
others in the state are feeling the same way. Um, Laclede County Health Department Administrator um, Carla Baker wrote to a DHSS official in late June, in quote, with our community leaders, excuse me, community leaders and residents not wanting to take any remedial action to protect themselves and others, we are just very frustrated and concerned with our current situation. Um, the emails also show leaders sometimes going to extraordinary lengths to win even modest advances in vaccinations in absence of the new state initiatives. In Joplin, the city manager sought an incentive program for municipal employees, but urged city council members to minimize their comments about it to not arouse public anger. In quote, we've alerted our local effect elected officials and decision makers with very little interest in discussion of mitigation measures. Taney County Health Director Lisa Marshall wrote to the health officials across the state on June 17th. Our last election cycle saw a turnover in many of our elected officials resulting in a pro-recovery focus. We are also seeing low uptake of vaccine in our county um, despite education and clinic offerings, she wrote. In quote, without local support and continued low interest in vaccines coupled with the welcome sign, I anticipate our numbers will continue upwards. This week, Taney, which includes the tourist destination of Branson was among the top 10 counties in the United States for new cases per capita. <clears throat> um, Missouri's, Missouri's cases remain below their winter peak, but are steadily trending upwards. But even as health officials desperately try to engage with the public. Um, the messages from the state's leaderships remain mixed. The Republican-dominated Missouri House in June debated a measure to undercut vaccine mandates for hospital employees. Some lawmakers have also repeated baseless theories that the vaccine affects pregnancy, which is another conspiracy theory which I hate the most. Um... Governor Mike Parson has hasn't used the same alarm language of senior officials elsewhere to prompt residents to get shots. Instead, he highlighted data points such as the higher rates of vaccination among seniors. His agitated response to the arrival of federal assistance that his administration requested provoked as <clears throat> A rebuke from the White House this past week. He stressed the state is not in crisis mode. In quote, 
I think we took every action we could possibly take in the state of Missouri to prevent this. Um, Parson told reporters on Wednesday, you have a vaccine that's out there. And frankly, it's been out there for seven months now. Everybody has access to it. While fully containing Delta was likely impossible, health officials across the state quickly ruled out new ta- new mass mandates or other restrictions as p- politically taboo. Local leaders felt the state didn't provide enough information to easily track where Delta was showing up. The In June, passed without Parson announcing a vaccination a vaccination lottery. On Friday, state ep- epidemiologist George Turbelids um, acknowledged a lack of precautions and low vaccination rates have fueled Delta's rise. He told reporters that even before the current surge, epidemiologists had predicted future outbreaks would occur in vulnerable areas. Unfortunately, Missouri turned out to be among those several states that do have those vulnerable spots. Terribolids said, and those are spots where people are under vaccinated people have low natural immunity levels and some communities that assume that pandemic was already behind us which is not by the way and mitigation was dropped too quickly all those factors made us vulnerable as a state and that's what happened as it was predicted he said asked about pearson's comments at the start of june dhss spokeswoman lisa cox said Public health strategies are the same for all variants and that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention had confirmed this to the agency. In quote, the same prevention methods apply regardless of the variant, Cox wrote in the email. Vaccination is the best defense against all variants, and we encourage all individuals age 12 and up to get to be vaccinated to be vaccinated, excuse me. Whatever happens next, Missouri is probably in four weeks of rising cases, hospitalizations, and ultimately deaths, and the vast majority likely avoidable if the deceased had been vaccinated. Going forward, a decline in vaccine hesitancy or behavior, behavior changes such as more Voluntary mask wearing will take weeks to reach their full impact. Um, as the rest of the country keeps wary um, eye on Missouri, the state offers a grim prophecy for other regions where vaccination, no, excuse me, vaccination rates remain low. In quote, it looks like as though. Missouri is the tip of Delta's spear, said William Schaffner, a professor of 
infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee. Warning signs as June begin as June begins. That was last month. Um, so Missouri from Memorial Day weekend with cases at their lowest levels in months. On June first, the seventh day average of confirmed daily new cases was two hundred thirty nine according to DHSS. In November, the average exceeded 4,500, but something was wrong in Joplin. Admissions were rising at two of its biggest areas, hospital, Freeman Health System and Mercy. Devin Blankenship, assistant director of Joplin Health Department wrote in a June 2nd email to city officials that he had talked to infection infection control nurses at the facilities. Freeman had reported a COVID-related death each of the last three days. Blankenship relayed that the hospital may need to flex their COVID unit closed since March he, w- he wondered whether Mother's Day and graduations were contributing and expressed concern about what Memorial Day could be. Doesn't mean, actually, doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to the admits blank- blanking shit wrote. <clears throat> In central Missouri, Stephanie Browning, director of the Columbia Boone County Health Department was thinking about contact tracing. Browning had been uh, asked by a University of Missouri researcher whether it was still occurring. Because of the up to 14-day gap between infection and symptoms, contact tracing was a difference maker in Missouri and across the United States in slowing the spread. But interviewing positive cases and reaching out to their contacts was a time-consuming task that burned through employee hours. Contact tracing was still happening in Boone County. Browning wrote back on June 5th, but a number of other counties have stopped altogether. The day before Browning sent the email, Boone County had reported just seven new cases on July 6th. There were 104. Um, all right. Uh, I want to get to this next topic. I want to get to this next topic, actually. Um, I'm not going to read all this, um, but I do feel like I should be curious about what um, herd immunity is. This is what I'm trying to actually get to. Um, so we're going to go over what, um, what herd immunity is. So let's, let's do this first. Hold on. Sorry about that. Okay. Very good. Hold on a minute, guys. 
right. Um, so, okay, here we go. So, what is herd immunity? I know a lot of people were anxious about herd immunity, but obviously we, um, wait a minute. In New York, we actually did make it to herd immunity. Um, but, um, uh, schizophrenia, no. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, so what is herd immunity, you ask? With the rising number of cases of COVID-19 around the world, health officials continue to work to find the best way to protect the public from the disease. You may have heard health officials mention the herd immunity as a possible way to contain the spread of COVID-19. Here's what you need to know about herd immunity and how it may help slow the spread of the new coronavirus. Herd immunity or community immunity is when a large part of the population area is immune to a specific disease. If enough people are resistant to the cause of the disease, such as a virus or bacteria, it has nowhere to go. While not every single individual may be immune, the group as a whole has protection. This is um, because there are fewer high-risk people overall. The infection rates drop and the disease peters out. Herd immunity at risk populations um, protects at risk populations to be exact. These include babies and those who immune systems are weak and can't get resistance on their own. How do you achieve herd immunity, you ask? You can develop resistance naturally. When your body is exposed to a virus or bacteria, it makes antibodies to fight off the infection. When you recover, your body keeps these antibodies. Your body will defend against another infection. This is what stopped the Zika virus outbreak in Brazil. Two years after the outbreak began, 63% of the population had had exposure to the virus. Researchers think the community reached that right level of herd immunity. Vaccines can also build resistance. They make your body think a virus or bacteria has infected it. You don't get sick, but your immune system will still still make protective antibodies. The next time your body meets the bacteria or virus, it's ready to fight it off. This is what stopped polio in the United States. When does a community reach herd immunity? It depends on the reproduction number or or R0. The R0 tells you the average number of people that a single person with the virus can infect if those people aren't already immune. The higher the RO, the more people need to be resistant to reach herd immunity. Researchers think that the RO for COVID-19 is between two and three. This means that one person can affect two to three people. It also means 50% to 67% of the population would need to be 
resistant before herd immunity kicks in and the uh, infection rates start to go down. Um, okay, so that's going to do for herd immunity. Next topic that's going to be talked about is, okay, before I even go to before I even go to the in the heights thing and the subway flooding thing, um, I want to talk about how important creative control is when it comes to being a creator, whether you are a creator of a TV show, a creator of a um, podcast or anything like that. The, the thing about creative control is <clears throat> you get the freedom for you to create, for you to say what you want to say. And that's what that's what it is for me. Now, I'm not knocking the people, I'm not knocking the people like stream platforms or anything like that whatsoever who want to um put um other people's podcast shows on, you know, platforms and and all that other stuff, but at the same token um, as I said before, I don't wish to have my show that I created to be to be sold to a corporation. And the reason being is because I don't want nobody trying to own trying to own my shit. The only person that that should own their shows is you and myself. You get what I'm saying? You shouldn't let no corporation dictate how you should do your show. You know what I mean? And that's just that's just how I feel about the that's just how I feel about creative control. Creative control when it comes to a podcast that I create is very important to me. And ownership is important to me as well. And that's just my take on it though. So I'm just going to before I even go to the next topic, let's let's get Let's give this um let's give this a turn of the bell. Hold on. Um hold on guys. Here we go. All right. All right, let's go to the uh let's go to the next topic in terms of Lynn Man Manuel Miranda. Now I did see the trailer for um in the heights that recently just came out. Now um I did I I did see the trailer but I didn't see the movie quite yet but um in the near future I might see it. I don't know when. So um <clears throat> so Lynn Manuel Miranda is, is is facing a lot of criticism in terms of, you know, the whole representation and stuff in terms of the Afro Latinos and stuff. But before we, I even get to that, I always wanted to know what are Afro Latinos. Now, um, now hold on. Let's go to the Huffington Huffington Post. Okay. So according to the Huffington Post. Um, let me see if I'm not mistaken. Um, so according to the Huffington Post, um, 
this is what it this is what it's talking about okay this is what it means to be afro latina um okay in a q a for his 2011 pbs documentary black in latin america harvard professor henry lewis gates jr said in quote there were 11.2 million Africans that we can count who survived the Middle Passage and landed in the New World. And of that 11.2 million, only 450,000 came to the United States. That's amazing. All the rest went south of Miami as a word. There is no doubt that the intersection between Black and Latino identity runs deep. And yet, the Afro-Latino experience remains largely invisible in mainstream media. In honor of Black History Month, we ask HuffPost Latino Voices and HuffPost Black Voices leaders to send us their thoughts via Facebook on what it means to be Afro-Latino, what makes being Afro-Latino beautiful, challenging, unique. We receive dozens of responses and compiled a list of our favorites below. We also paid homage to a few of the many Afro-Latinos who influenced American culture. So, okay. Being Afro-Latino is being a bridge builder standing squarely at the crossroads of Pan-Africanism in the U.S. I am a proud Black Panamanian we exist, and we exist with the knowledge that blackness is global in its, its in its scope. No one has, um, <clears throat> hegemony on blackness, and we are the proof. Merit Moles, Afro Latino is not about being black and Latino. Afro Latina means to be black latina slash latino hence why the term afro latino came about in the late 70s since latino is not a race it's really not even an ethnic group is it false to say that folks are black and latino we are racially black and then many refer to their ethnicity or i.e afro boricua afro dominican hold on <clears throat> okay. All right. <clears throat> Often in the US black becomes synonymous with those that are African American which then does not take into account the millions of African descendants, black people globally that are in the world and in the USA. Rosa Clemente, PhD candidate at U- UMass Amherst, Amherst's W.E.B. Du Bois Department of Afro-American Studies. Okay, singer. Sing, singer um, Celia Cruz appeared as a musical guest on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno in 1992. <clears throat> anyway, um, it's obvious 
about people who identify as Afro-Latino to complicate what it means to be Black and Latino in any combination because the diversity of Black identity is often oversimplified. Just because people are both doesn't mean they are less of one. Sophia Rain Surridge. Quote, it was always difficult because I was never Boricua or Black enough. Other Puerto Ricans didn't accept me because I wasn't a fluent Spanish speaker and too brown. I also wasn't dark enough to be Black. These Black girls tried to jump me in the third grade because my Taino root gave me long, wavy hair and they wanted to, quote, tear it out and prove if was a weave. I grew up in no man's land. I love collard greens and mofongo. At Thanksgiving, we ate fried chicken and arroz con, con gondolas. <clears throat> After my first trip to Puerto Rico last year as a grown black woman, um, I've never felt more complete. I was never seen as just Puerto Rican, whether I speak Spanish or not. I didn't need to prove anything. I am proud to say I am Afro-Latina. I'll be taking my son next month for his trip. I can't wait to share the experience with him. Kaden Valles. Everyone in Puerto Rico is Af- African too. Just many won't accept it. Elizabeth Vasquez Romero. Black is a racial group, while the pan-ethnic identification of Latino refers to language, language, culture, and nation of origin. To be black, to be a black Spanish speaker, to be exact, in the Americas means to be means means to feel, taste, hear, see, etc. The West African heritage at all times in our um. Phenotype in our music, in our dance, in our rhythms, in our food, in our language, slash daily lexicon, etc. We are the manifest the manifestation of our cultural memory. Often overlooked when the very aspects of our culture that are praised as being Latino come from an African influence on the Americas. We transmit the knowledge passed on to us from our ancestors through our very being. The very act of us living, surviving, and thriving is an act of resistance in the face of white supremacy in both the United States and the rest of the Americas. Sometimes this means living life on the hyphen. To borrow from Professor Juan Flores, neither being perceived as black enough nor Latino enough, but we're Afro-descendant, Afro-descendant, and proud. Jeez, that's a big word, man. But anyway, I am black and Latina. I might 
only be half black, but I am still black. It is silly to say and take pride in Black History Month yet to single-handedly exclude those of us who are treated like blacks. Yet some of our black sisters and brothers refuse to accept uh, us as one of them. As a biracial minority, we grapple with a constant state of acceptance from both cultures. Um, quote by Olivia Love. Um, all right. Um, I am mixed Afro-Latina. My father is black and my mom is Latina. I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in Hawaii before settling here in California, where I'm married to my Korean husband. Together, we raised our four children as many global citizens by instilling pride in all of the cultures and learning about others in the multicultural world. For me, being mixed meant some tough times because you are searching for your identity. You don't look black or others may not think you are Latin enough. You speak Spanish, but may not be fully accepted in either community. <clears throat> because of this, I set out my I set up to find my community. Now I am vice president of a multi multiracial um, organization and am also part of an Afro-Latino community where in LA where we share what it means to be Afro-Latino and celebrate it. Sonia and Kang, owner of Mixed Up Clothing. Um, yes, being black and Latino is challenging, beautiful and unique from growing up, filling out job applications that asked if I was white, black, Hispanic, <clears throat> Hispanic, not of African descent, which left me having to choose only part of who I am. To be to being told by my black and white friends, you're not black, you're Cuban. To also experiencing racism from white Cubans from remarks they would make towards me, but now at me. <clears throat> but when I would respond to those uh, remarks in Spanish, I would hear this. Oh, um, to Aris Cubano, Pattern El Mano. As if now I became less black because I spoke Spanish, Roger um, Garcia. Um, trying to, um, trying to explain, trying to, um, explain, explaining to your middle school friends that you are black and Hispanic back in the eighties when there weren't many of us in the neighborhood. My twin sister and I were sore thumbs. Oh, damn. <clears throat> so we took advantage of our unique background, and we've seemingly between my white Hispanic friends and my African-American friends. We listened to hip-hop and Celia Cruz. We participated in a number of choreographed Kinsiera parties, with my Hispanic friends and met my black friends at R&B concerts. <clears throat> my life was never unusual to me. 
it was great. I was questioning about my ethnicity and race for as long as I can remember. And although many of my peers asked me to choose sides or try to make me prove how Cuban I really was, I didn't hold it against them. I was comfortable in my skin, still am. And I continue to answer the same questions that were asked years ago. Say something in Spanish. It never gets old. I don't mind it at all. I love surprising them. I love the interesting stares I get. And whoever needs to be informed on the history of the Afro-Latino, feel free to ask. I don't take offense. Many are just not informed. By Yvonne Rodriguez, owner of Tres Linda's Cabana Cigars. And, and you know, there you have it, though. Let's see. Um, I don't know that. All right. So, all right. If Americans. All right, so this is what it means. So this is like the definition of what Afro-Latinos is. So this is pretty much what I read. Although I had never really experienced meeting Afro-Latinos in my life. Although I did meet some Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and other multiracial, um, multicultural backgrounds and stuff. But not, not to say that not to say that I actually met an Afro-Latino, so I can't really recall the time I was in college that I actually met one. But someday, but someday, when I meet one, I will be able to, um, you know, be able to get a better understanding. <clears throat> and this is what being informed is about. Now, now I, I I wanted to get to the land manual Miranda thing, but I also wanted to inform you guys of what um what an Afro Latina, no Afro Latinos, the definition. So it makes sense for me to actually go into the definition of what Afro Latinos is, so you guys can get a better understanding. So New York Times um. It's talking about Lynn Manuel Miranda, the director from Hamilton and in the Heights. So let's um let's go into the article. So acknowledging criticism that the film adaptation of his musical In the Heights had failed to adequately depict the dark-skinned Afro-Latino population of Washington Heights. The upper Manhattan neighborhood where it was set. Lynn Manuel Miranda has apologized falling for falling short in trying to paint a mosaic of this community. Um, the movie adapted from the Tony Winning Broadway musical about a bodega owner with dreams of returning to the Dominican Republic was released in theaters and on HBO Max last week. Recently. <clears throat> Earning positive reviews and high-profile celebrations, the film also drew criticism online for the filmmaker's choice to 
cast light-skinned Latino actors in leading roles, despite a prevalence of dark-skinned Latinos in the neighborhood where the movie was filmed. Miranda, who was on the movie's creative team, said in a statement that he was listening to the feedback on line, including the expressions of hurt and frustration over colorism and feel, feelings still unseen in the movie. <clears throat> End quote. He said, and he said in this, I started running in the heights because I didn't feel seen. Miranda wrote in a statement posted on Twitter Monday evening. And over the past 20 years, all I wanted to, all I wanted was for us, all of us to feel seen. I hear that without sufficient dark skin Afro-Latino representation, he went on, the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism of feelings still unseen in the feedback, he said in a statement. The, the movie, a decade-long project that had a reported $55 million budget, starred Anthony Ramos as the bodega owner, Melissa Barrera as an aspiring fashion designer, and Leslie Grace as Nina, a struggling Stanford student. <clears throat> In a recent interview, the film's writer, um, um, Kiara Alegria Hudez, spoke about the decision to make Nina an Afro-Latina character in the film version. I wanted to consciously make Nina Afro-Latina in this version of In the Heights. Since we opened the show on Broadway, this net national conver conver conversation has happened around microaggressions and really interesting stuff that I feel like would be applicable to Nina's situation. Corey Hawkins, who plays Nina's love interest and an employee of her father's cab service, is black but not Latino. Some also criticized the filmmakers for removing a plot point, which had existed in the musical, in which Hawkins' character says Nina's father doesn't think he's good enough for her. Felice Leon, a video producer with The Root, addressed the issue in the recent interview with the film's director, John M. Chu, and some of the film's lead actors saying, as a black woman of Cuban descent, specifically from New York City, it would be remiss of me to not acknowledge the fact that most of your principal actors were light-skinned or white-passing Latinx people. Leon acknowledged that there were a number of black background dancers and black women in the scenes located in the hair salon a sort of social hub for the women of the neighborhood <clears throat> but that black performers in leading roles were lacking we want to see afro panamanians black cubans black dominicans she said that's what we want to see and that's what we're yearning for Chu said that it was a subject that the filmmakers had discussed, but that in the end, when we're looking at least at when we're looking at the cast, we tried to get the people who were best for those roles. In an interview, Grace, who is Afro-Latina, responded, I do hope to see my brothers and sisters that are darker than me lead these movies. 
The discussion over in the heist is unfolding at the moment when the underrepresentation of Latinos in Hollywood has drawn increased scrutiny, prompting calls for change. A Writers Guild of America West study <clears throat> issued last year found that while Latinos accounted for 18.3% of the population, but only 4.7% of feature film writers and 8.7% of the television writers. The University of Southern California's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative described that lack of Latinos both behind and in front of the camera is as an in erasure in the 2019 study. Some jumped to Miranda's defense, pointing out that he has long worked to feature diverse cast on Broadway and in Hollywood, and that In the Heights celebrates Latino communities in a way that has rarely been seen in film and television. <clears throat> okay, Rita Moreno, one of the most prominent Latina performers of her generation, defended. Miranda during an interview on Stephen Colbert's late show on Tuesday evening. You can never do right, it seems, Moreno said. She described Miranda, who is an ex executive producer on a new documentary about her life as someone who had brought Latinoness to the American entertainment industry in ways she never could. Can't you just wait a while and leave it alone, she said. They're really attacking the wrong person. <clears throat> okay. So this person says, um, who goes by the name of Anna Navarro Cardenas, um, said, there's justified pain of frustration in the Latino community. For so long, we felt under." represented and unseen in media. But can we recognize um, Lynn Manuel is a good, decent guy who's done much to open doors for all sorts of POC on Broadway and Hollywood. Cut the guy some slack. <clears throat> Which I will agree with that. Miranda's statement uh, reflected the tension of trying to celebrate the movie with its starry premiere at the opening of the 20th Tribeca Film Festival. The 20th Tribeca Film Festival, while addressing the criticism it has faced. I'm trying to hold space for both the incredible pride in the movie we made, he wrote, and be accountable for all our shortcomings. Okay. As I said before, man, like you, you not as as a director, look, you, you're not gonna be able to please everybody. You can't, you can't worry about trying to satisfy everybody. And you know, as a creator of a movie or a TV show or whatever, you're not gonna be able to please everybody. That's impossible. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't. It's like it's like come on. It's like, how many people do you know? How many people do you know that are Afro-Latinos that are actors and actresses? How many people do you know that are 
how many people do you know that actors and actresses who did TV shows and movies are white? Exactly. Um, you know, I didn't see Hamilton, even though um they had a uh, a diverse cast, and that's what make and that's what makes you know a movie a masterpiece. You want to have diverse people, like it, like you know, like it could be it could be like you know, like like it. Honestly, it does and it does not matter as long as the as long as the, as long as your, your your movie or TV show that you created for diverse people, especially especially African Americans, um, Afro Latinos, that's being featured in there, it, you should you should be you should be um you should be good to go, man. Don't beat yourself up, man. Like you. Like I said, man, you can't please everybody, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? The only person you have to please is yourself. And I say this because it's a fact. All right? It is a major fact that you can't please everybody. No matter what ethnicity background you are. And... Um, I was going to um talk about the whole um little Mar thing, but I'm gonna hold that I'm gonna hold that off though. Because I wanna get to um I didn't get a chance to talk about the subway flooding in Washington Heights. So um I'm gonna go to that right now. We're going to we're going to talk about that. So so, in the next segment that we're going to talk talk about is, let me just pull it up. This is um, New York Mass Transit Files. So we cover stories about what's going on behind the scenes of you know mass transit in New York, including. Including MTA, New York City Transit bus, nice LAWR, whatever, and um, and nice bus. But in this case, this has to do with a recent subway flooding in Washington Heights, which I didn't get a chance to talk about in the last episode because I was dedicating the last episode that I did to my homeboy Ray Brown, which I hope he's listening to um the episode where I wished him a happy birthday and stuff. So I didn't forget. So, you know what I'm saying? So let me just keep going on that one. Um, so we're going to go to, yeah. And this has to do with a recent, um, recent flooding from, um, tropical storm Elsa. And this is like, I didn't think this was going to really be happening. I don't think it's, now, I never really seen something like this where people are on canoes in a flooded street and cars being stuck 
on the street during the flood, which is crazy. But let's let's get into this, shall we? Um, so according to the CBS New York um website, um, from the roadways to the subway parts of the of New York City looks straight out of a disaster movie Thursday, which was recently. Cell phone video shows water streaming down the steps of the 149th Street subway station. Wow. Um, Strap hangers were waist deep below ground at 157th Street in Washington Heights, wading through water just to escape the station. Some tried using trash bags to walk through, but the ground was so slippery, commuters couldn't help but get soaked. Yes, this is a fucking nightmare for people who have to experience flooding in subway stations, which is which is hardly ever heard of before, man. You know what I mean? Um, um let's get to let's get to this, man. Above ground, the street was completely flooded. The concrete above ground does not absorb the water. The water comes from the vents, the stairs in this, in those waterfalls. And then it, if the drains at the street level can't handle the water, it goes over the curve and makes things even worse. Um, quoted by MTA Chairs. Um, Chairman Sarah Feinberg said, Democratic mayoral candidate Eric Adams responded to the video on Twitter saying, this is what happens when the MTA makes bad spending decisions for decades. We need congestion pricing ASAP to protect stations from street flooding, elevate entrances and add green infrastructure to absorb flash storm runoff. This cannot be New York. <clears throat> Above ground, roads were also underwater. Flooding was so bad on the major the Green Expressway by 179th Street. More than a dozen people got trapped in their cars. Wow. My sister was trying to warn me, but I said, no, I think we can make make it through. Manhattan resident Sheila Young told CBS 2's Ali Bowman. But the two sisters were retired. School teachers did not make it through. The car cut off, Young said. Some of the other trucks started going by and the car started swaying the flooding, the floating. I think I was hit a couple of times. It was crowded and people were so packed especially behind us, that no emergency vehicle could get by at first. Finally, police were able to drive on a barrier truck and lift people to safety in the pouring rain. And quote, we would hoist them up onto the truck, whether someone was holding onto my belt and I was leaning over this the vehicle or we got onto the car itself, end quote, by NYPD Captain David Miller said. <clears throat> Young nearly fell into the murky water. 
it was so wet, my sneakers, I was slipping. So I, so I said, I'm going to go into the water. He said, no, no, I'm going to hold you, she said. They were actually standing on my pants and my boots, trying to grip, have a grip. And, <clears throat> and I was just trying to keep them calm as much as possible. In quote by NYPD officer Daniel Bergman said, eventually everyone was safely brought back to dry land. It was a good day, even though I may lose my car. It's still all, it's still a good day, Young said. All lanes reopened around 5:30 p.m. Officers reiterated um, how dangerous it is to drive through flooding, especially when you cannot see how deep the water is or what is in it. As for subways, crews were still working to drain all the flood waters Thursday night. <sighs> I'm glad that um, police was able to um to to get people to safety. So here's a round of applause. And now the next the next topic that I'm going to really talk about has to do with has to do with um Jam Master J's daughter and Biggie Small's daughter who decide to open a business. And and they are part of the segment called Black Owned Shout Out Trendsetters. That's right. Black owned transit shout outs. Um, where's the double thing? All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where's the double? Here we go. Yeah, so black owned transit shout outs. Here we go. <laughs> on this segment of black owned transit shout outs. This is based on two individuals, uh, Jam Master J's daughter and and Biggie Small's daughter, who decide to open a pizza parlor in Los Angeles, California. And according to an article that I'm about to read, so here we go. So the article goes like this. The daughters of two New York hip-hop legends are opening a pizza place in Hollywood. The Notorious B.I.G.'s legacy lives on on the West Coast of all places at a new pizza parlor opening on Saturday in Hollywood Juicy Pizzas, named at the biggest, biggest iconic 1994 hit, Juicy, is the result of collaboration between Biggie's own daughter, um, Tiana Wallace, and Tyra Myricks, daughter of the late hip hop legend Jam Master J of Run DMC. <clears throat> like many other East Coast transplants, Myricks saw room in the LA market for good New York, New York City style pizza. Quote The more I thought about how to bring that New York thing to Los Angeles, I felt who represents New York more than Biggie Smalls. Marks told Business Insider in a recent interview. With that in mind, she called on her close friend Tiana, the duo, 
The Duels restaurant is designed to bring a bit of the Big Apple to the Palm Line streets of LA with subway car details, bodegas, bodega vibes, and a ton of biggie influence. The menu will feature classics like pepperoni and cheese, but also outside the box pies like oxtail and beef and broccoli. The space located next to Bloodzo on La Bray will also be home to the presidential suite, a, a members-only cannabis lounge backed by the black-on-brand presidential cannabis. The shop will also sell merch designed by Myricks. So, congratulations are in order here by the gent by Jam Master J's daughter and Biggie Small's daughter. And that was your segment of black owned transcendent shout outs. Now, if you like what you heard in today's today's episode and you miss any previous episodes whatsoever, don't worry. Just show some love by making a generous donation to my PayPal and my cash app. So my PayPal is paypal.me slash gmoneystacks, Queens, New York. And my other and the other one um is um cash app slash dollar sign g money stacks 555 that's dollar sign g m o n e y s t a c k z 555 and um also um let me get to the uh before i even get to the stream platforms on the go um let me go to um let me go to where you can find um where you can follow the show, shall we? So where you can follow the show, you ask, you can follow the show on Off the Meat Rat Change um NY Podcast on Facebook and Instagram with the same name all in one. And also you can follow my other podcasts, um, which is which is meticulous vibe juice podcast, which which um which is on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. and on Sundays at 12 p.m. on YouTube. I just created a YouTube account for the for meticulous vibe juice podcast, so you could subscribe over there as well. Um, I put the link. The link is is on the meticulous vibe juice page. When you click on link tree slash meticulous vibe juice podcast, it's gonna say Twitch, and it's gonna it's gonna and it's going to um have um a link where you could go to the YouTube page of where you can subscribe to meticulous vibe juice podcast. So again, Tuesdays at six p.m. On Twitch, Sundays, 12 p.m. on YouTube. All right. And also, um, don't don't forget um that off the Meat Rat Change New York podcast is on Wednesdays 
Thursdays at 6 p.m. And Saturdays at 7 p.m., which I will try my best to, to record on Saturdays again. Despite my work schedule, I will do my best. And also, my um, my primary Instagram handle is gmoneystacks555 in Queens, New York. All right? Now that I got that out the way... We're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the streaming platform on the go. All right. Um, hold on a second before I wrap up. Let me just get to um all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go to here. All right, so streaming platforms on the go. Um you can find and listen to the episodes of Off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast on Podorama, Anchor, Spotify, Audioburst, Deezer, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podchaser. Don't forget to go to the Podchaser link and leave a five-star review and your comments about today about any episodes that you listen to um, with a five-star rating alongside with um, Podfriend. You could do you could give a five-star rating in um Podfriend as well. Um Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Breaker, Listen Notes, Podbay. Um, don't forget to listen to um the show on Google Podcasts, Podbay, as I said, Podfriend, where you could give a five-star rating and some love. Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Last but not least, the YouTube. I need y'all to do two things for me. Subscribe to Meticulous Vibe Juice, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. I just uploaded some videos um last night to the YouTube to the new YouTube channel. So subscribe over there, and also subscribe to um my um. My primary YouTube channel, which is G Money Stacks 555, where you could get where you get more video content and episodes of the podcast. Be sure to enable alerts alongside with tapping that notification bell so you can be reminded of when the show goes on the air live, more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. Be sure to Download your favorite episodes. It really helps the show grow more. And be sure to leave a like and a comment. And be sure to share the podcast along with all your streaming platforms alongside with your friends. All right. Um, so, so that's going to do it for this episode 50 right here. Um, if you have a dream of what, of becoming a podcaster or creating a show like I'm doing right now with two shows in my, in my belt right now, um, all, all you gotta do is not let any, any hater or anybody tell you what you can and can't do. And you just picture them as, as a snack, right? Kind of like a Klondike bar. What would you do? With a Klondike bar, you ask? You eat it like this.
<laughs> you know I had to do it, man. You know I do this every fucking time, though, man. I had to because, man, you don't got time. You don't got time for clown burgers and 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 online flizzies to be getting on your nerves and shit. So, anyway, um, so let's go out with a bang, man. You know what I mean? Let's go out with a bang. All right. Um, now, I'm G Money Stacks, and thank you so much for tuning in and rocking with me. Even though things has been kind of hectic lately, but I'm not giving up. But, but be sure to stick around tomorrow on the next episode. So I will see you in the next episode. Um, be careful out there. Be safe. And reach out to your friends that you care about, your loved ones. You don't have to wait till mental health awareness every year to, to reach out to them. And there is no good time. There is no exact time frame or a good time to actually reach out to somebody. You just go ahead and go with your instincts, all right? So I'm G Money Stacks and I'm clocking out. Thank you for listening, rocking with me, tuning in. Peace and one love. Listen, if you like what you heard, all you got to do is follow the podcast, comment about the topics and what you thought about the episodes of Off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast on Facebook and Instagram so you can be a part of the discussions for each topic every week. Plus, if you would like to be a guest co-host to chime in on topics, topic ideas, interviews, whether you are a rapper, singer, black-owned trendsetter that has a business, producer, actor, actress, doctor, DJ, VJ, radio personality, podcast host, other career fields, need advice that you want us to read on the air like a chain letter about anything, you can email the show at Off the Meat Rat Chains NY Podcast at gmail.com O-F-F-T-H-E 
M-E-A-T-R-A-C-K-C-H-A-I-N-Z-M-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Now, where you can follow us is on Facebook and Instagram, which is all in one word, which is off the Meat Rat Chains NY podcast, alongside with my Instagram handle, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. That's G M O N E Y S T A C K Z 555 I N Q U E E N S N Y. That's G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Now, in case you miss any of the episodes, don't worry, I got you. You can download your favorite episodes, like, subscribe, show the podcast some love with a five-star rating. We show our realness as far as the subjects being discussed in the conversations we have in each episode of the podcast. Inspire, motivate, sense of humor is an important key here because I believe laughter is the best medicine when it comes to dark times. We want the show to be the safety net of putting a smile on your faces, whether it's having bad days, losses of loved ones, work, and other difficult challenges. The show will be there for you no matter what you are going through. You are not alone in this case. Be sure to comment on the episodes with the topics, share the podcast and streaming platforms of of Anchor, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, PocketCast, Podchaser, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podorama, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, Audio Burst, and don't forget, you can find Off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and the YouTube. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to the channel page, G Money Stats 555. Click on the notification bell so you can be reminded of when Off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast goes on the air live. Upcoming live stream episodes, previous recorded episodes, like, Comment on the episodes with the topics. Share the podcast, including the streaming services, with your friends. I'm Gene Money Stacks, and thank you all for listening, tuning in, sticking around with us, and watching us on YouTube. And let's keep the views going and the subscribers going on the YouTube. Thank you. One love.